Lord, we thank you uh, for your presence here with us, for your solidity, Lord. You are the rock. You are the truth. You are the one who knows the way, who is the way. Uh, we thank you for calling us out of darkness into your light, out of lostness into your presence. We thank you for bringing us from death to life, Lord God. We thank you for reconciling us to the eternal life of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for doing that in our lives. And Lord, for those whom you are calling this morning, Jesus, we ask that your call would be powerful and effective, Lord, that your spirit would go out among us, that you would speak your living word to each of us as we gather in your great name, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Good to see you. Take a seat. If you didn't know, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, and I missed you. I don't know if you missed me, but I missed you. I thought of you many times. We were in Ohio, and uh, it was a very good, relaxing vacation time. I did not get lost there. And I actually, I, I had a hard time thinking of a time, recently at least, when I had gotten lost. And the reason is because we all have these now. Right? I mean, I remember when we did not have these, and it would be easy to get lost, and you would have to remember street names. And it's a game changer, right? I can't remember the last time I got lost, but I did read an interesting book on vacation. Uh, it was Christopher Columbus's biography, The Explorer's Biography. And uh, this guy, you know, he lived in the late 1400s, no Google Maps, no sat map, no no charts. Uh, he was an explorer, and he was looking for a passage to India, to China, and to the Far East about what was beyond the ocean that was next to Spain. It was a huge question mark. It was a big unknown. And some people even thought, if you go west, you're going to fall off the edge of the earth. So he went on these journeys, four expeditions, and looking for this passage to India. Unfortunately, they didn't know about what? North America, Central America, and South America. A little bit of a barrier in the way. Plus, if you get to the other side of that, you have the Pacific Ocean, which is massive, way bigger than the Atlantic Ocean. So on this fourth expedition, it almost did him in. Uh, he was an expert navigator. And what did they use back then to navigate by? The stars, the sun and the stars, yeah. So he's going, and on the fourth expedition, he experienced something he'd never experienced before called a hurricane. All right, so hurricane, don't know where you are. Heading west, you're determined to find that westward passage. You're skimming across the South American continent, the north of it. You're skimming across, you're skimming across Honduras and Panama, just like hitting this thing. And it was dark, and it was stormy, and he had no stars to guide him by. But he was persistent. He kept going after it. But he was in the dark. And he was so close, right? Panama is like 35 miles across. The other side, you're to the Pacific Ocean, and then theoretically to, you know, you go to India and China and so forth. He was sitting there, but he had no idea where he was. He didn't know how close he was, how far he was. He was semi-lost, nothing to guide him with. Stars were covered up. 
And I think this is a great metaphor for society, the world. A lot of times we are in the dark. We get in these storms and we don't know where we are. We can't see the truth. We can't see where we are, what's ahead, what's out there. We're just bumping across the shore of truth and unable to see what's really there or to see what's actually there, right? We have a truth crisis in this world. What is truth? There's your truth, there's my truth. Is there truth? I mean, we're debating crazy things that there was no debate about, you know, 20, 50, 100 years ago. You know, what is truth? It's easy to get lost. A lot of competing messages, a lot of competing truth claims about what really is and what's not. And some people, you know, it's just a game. You know, not even really interested in what is true, but just kind of want to get their way. And so we're in this situation, we're in this environment, read your news scroll, you know, people are debating crazy things, and there's a lot of lostness, a lot of darkness. And maybe, I don't know what your week was like, but sometimes it's just easy to get caught up into the storm of that and be confused. Which way do I go? Where do I, where do I head? What's true? What's right? What's best? Thankfully, brothers and sisters, we have access to the stars. We have access to light. We have a tool to help us sift through and discern what is true and solid and correct and what is not. And we're going to be reminded of it today as we go back into Acts We've been going through the book of Acts, which is a fantastic book. It's about the birth of the church. Um, Jesus, he sends his apostles, his disciples out from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth to proclaim this true good message about who Jesus is and to call people into his kingdom. We've been watching that happen. We're at Acts chapter 17, which is about 15 to 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So this thing has been spreading out. It's been going out. And we're going to pick it up with Paul and his team uh, proclaiming the message about Jesus. They're all the way in Europe at this point. So they're in Thessalonica. So turn with me. We're in Acts chapter 17. It's in your bulletin. It's going to be up here as well. And let's see what we can learn about uh, the truth and how to find our way in this world. All right. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, modern-day Greece today, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, three Saturdays, he reasoned with them, from scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. The gospel message, right? This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks. These are Gentiles who recognize that the God of the Jews was God most high, uh, and quite a few prominent women in that culture. All right, so let's look at what Paul 
does there. He goes, and he goes to the synagogue. Why does he go there first? Yeah, this, this is the message that he has to proclaim to them is about the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the promised one, the one who is written about and spoken about in the prophets, the one who was to come and to restore humanity and to bring people into his kingdom. So he goes to the people who know the story first. This is the offspring promised way back in Genesis 3. This is the offspring of Abraham. This is the descendant of David who would be king over all the world. This is the news. So he goes to them first. And he explains to them that Jesus of Nazareth is the The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Line up your life with it. It's good news. He's excited. And it's not just like, hey, I got an interesting little factoid or tidbit for you all this morning. No, it is a life-changing, world-changing bit of news. He's claiming that God has come and established his kingdom on earth through Jesus. And he's calling them to join up with it. So this is what Paul does. Now let's read what happens. Let's see how they react here again. Verse 4. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So uh, quite a collection there. So they were persuaded and they did what? They were persuaded by Paul in his message and did what? They joined with Paul and Silas. They joined this fellowship. They joined into the fellowship that Paul and Silas and his team were representing, their presence there, the fellowship that you and I are part of today, the fellowship of the eternal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we've been brought into. They joined the fellowship. They, they gave themselves. They, they stepped into a new identity, a new group a new kingdom, a new people, a new family, a new household. They join because they are persuaded about this message. All right. It's exciting, right? This is good. This is what God's doing in the world way back then in 50 AD. That's what he's doing today as well. Now, it's not all great because we go on to verse 5 and it continues like this. But other Jews there were jealous. They didn't like this attention. Maybe they were in power positions there. They were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters, some troublemakers from the marketplace in Thessalonica. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. All right, they rushed to Jason's house. He's the synagogue ruler. where He was hosting Paul and Silas in search of Paul and Silas, in order to bring them out to the crowd to probably beat them up and to drive them out. All right? And we've seen this again and again through Acts. We've seen this again and again through church history. We see it today. The message about Jesus comes. It's proclaimed. And some people receive it. They believe it. And they're transformed. They become part of God's new creation. They come into his kingdom. They join the fellowship. And others do not. They do not receive it. They reject it. They oppose it. And here they fiercely oppose it. 
But we have to ask the question, you know, why do we do this with truth? Why do we do this? And let's even broaden out. Let me bring it back to Christopher Columbus, since this is still fresh in my head. All right, day of Christopher Columbus, 1400s, a lot of people believe that the earth was round. All right? And that's true, right? Just so you know. Yes, the earth is round. Okay. And, uh, you know, actually this idea goes back to Aristotle. At least he wrote about it like in 300 BC. So this wasn't a new idea. You know, Aristotle looked at the lunar eclipse. He saw that the, the shadow of the earth on the moon was round. And he also noticed that when he looked out to the horizon as a, a ship was going out to sea, out to the horizon, what part of the ship would disappear first? The hull, you know, the, the, the ship part, right? And then the mast, which indicates that this thing is curved. All right, so there's reasons to believe the truth that the world is round. Yet, people in the 1400s, many of them, still believed the world is flat. And if you go too far, watch out, you're going to fall off. We do this today, right? We see in the message of Jesus, we see about all kinds of truth. We hear the truth. It's truth. Truth means it's true for everybody, everywhere, all the time. Okay, that's reality. And some people reject the truth. Sometimes we reject the truth. Why? Why do we do this? Why doesn't everybody just hear the truth, believe the truth? Why isn't it that simple? Why don't you do it? What's that? Sometimes the truth is inconvenient, uncomfortable. It means we have to change. Anybody like change? Oh, man, I love change. Just, you know, I keep changing for the better every day. I just can't wait. No, it's hard. And we're comfortable with the old. Sometimes we just like the old, even if it's false, better. It's more familiar. Sometimes going with the truth means going against the crowd, your family, your own system of beliefs, your society's system of beliefs. Sometimes it gets you in trouble with the governing authorities, back then and today. Right? Truth can be costly. So it's not always just a matter of, hey, I just didn't hear the truth. Often it's, yeah, I heard it, but I didn't want it. It made me a little skittish, made me a little nervous. Silly example, I, so I have COVID, I'm coming off, I'm on nine days now, not quite 10 days, so keep away. And I, uh, I took a test last night because I was hoping for the negative test, right? So I could say to you, hey, I'm negative, I can talk, I can hug people. Um, and I didn't get it. There was a fine, little, just a fine little line indicating, yeah, I still have this thing. And I, I told Becky and, and Matthew, and they said, well, you're going to wear a mask tomorrow, aren't you? And I said, well, I mean, I'm at nine days. And they said, no, you, you still have it. You, you got it. And they were telling me the truth, right? And I didn't want to hear it. I just wanted to be a normal Sunday because I missed this. Um, so once in a while, I'll be wearing my, my mask. The truth is a pain sometimes. It's painful. It's difficult sometimes. Sometimes it's easier to deny it to pretend it doesn't exist, to minimize it, right? Maybe you did some of that this week. We're all, we're all susceptible. All right. So the truth comes. Some believe it, receive it, are changed by it. Some reject it. Some fiercely oppose it. So let's continue on see what's next. So this, this truth is fiercely opposed. They get, well, let me just read it. Verse 10. 
Still in 17. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. They needed to get them out of there. They didn't want them to get beat up and torn up. All right. So on arriving there in this, this next town, Berea, uh, they went to the Jewish synagogue. There you go again, right? Go to where the news is already understood, and it's just about telling them, hey, Jesus, come. He's the Messiah that was promised. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, especially those who were trying to tear up Paul and Silas, for they received the message with great eagerness, great openness, uh, and they did something, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. All right. It's awesome, right? Paul goes there. And what did he use to make his case to them? What did he use? Scripture. God's word. Because the Jews in the synagogue already knew that God's word is true. It's reliable. They've built their life on it. All right? So it's solid to them. So Paul uses that to convince them to show them that Jesus of Nazareth is the one that was promised, the one born in Bethlehem, the one pierced for their sins, the one who bore their iniquity for their sins, the one who rose from the dead, the descendant of David, etc., the, the one who brings the Holy Spirit. All right, so he persuades them using this. What do they do in order to examine this truth claim that Paul is bringing them? Look at scriptures. Does it, does it fit? Does it line up with what we know is true, God's word? They have a tool. They have a way. They have a light. They have a method of discerning what is true and what is false. This is a great lesson for us. This is a great example for us. What, what kind of truth claims were you bombarded with this week? Externally and sometimes internally. Sometimes our old messages that we grew up with. Old messages about ourselves, about others, all sorts of things come into our minds. How do you sift through that and know what to hold on to and what to toss? These Bereans, they spent some time, right? How many days? Three weeks, three times these Saturdays looking and examining carefully God's word to see if what Paul was saying lined up. And it did. And they are persuaded. And they joined in the fellowship. They came into the kingdom of God. They received the good news. Let's look at some key points for us in all this. All right? The Brians really, really tee us off on it. I got three things for you here. Uh, I got some fill-ins. The first one is remember this. Remember this this week because you're going to need to remember it this week. Because uh, things will get squirrely. You know, here it's nice. We're gathered in Jesus' name. We're reading his word together. We're praying together. Uh, we're encouraging each other in the truth. This is like the embassy that we come back to. We kind of help each other. We support each other. And then during the week, where do we go? We go out to our different places, called to be salt and light, called to be uh, sons and daughters of God in the world, ambassadors for Christ out there, to the truth. And you, brothers and sisters, remember this, not just now, but this week. You have a solid, fixed, reliable tool 
to evaluate truth claims that come into your ears this week. Because you're going to hear some crazy stuff. You're going to read some crazy stuff. You're going to think some crazy stuff. All right? Remember, you have this tool. It's God's word. It's God's word. It's what the Brians used. It's, it's what we, we have. We have this, these stars. Uh, you know, Columbus was a master navigator because he knew the stars. He learned them as a kid. He could read them. He knew where he was, etc. We can be these master navigators as well because we have God's word. We have this tool to help us know where we've been, where we are, where we're headed. All right? So we have it. Next thing, use it. All right? Number two, don't just have it tucked away somewhere, you know? Hey, yeah, I know where to go. No, use it. Use it. We got to use it. We got to be in it. All right, now, whenever we're encouraged or challenged to do something, I need motivation. I need to know the why. Why should I use it? Yeah, I've got God's truth. God is, well, here's a few reasons. Listen to Jesus, who is the truth, not only just the speaker of truth, but who actually is truth. Listen to what he says. He says, if you follow me, this is John 8, 32, if you follow me, if you follow the truth, if you follow Jesus, you will know the truth. And the truth will do something to you. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. It'll set you free from lies and deception. It'll set you free from building your life on sand where it's just going to crumble when the storm comes. And maybe you've already experienced that in your life a few times. Right? Jesus is 8.32, John 8.32, Jesus says, I am the light. I'm the light in the darkness, that swampy storm of chaos and confusion and lies and deception. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light that will give you life that'll show you the way to life. Jesus' word, Jesus' presence, he is the truth who wants to lead you into life, into freedom, into fullness of life. Again, he says, don't just hear my words, but those who put them into practice are like the wise man who builds his life on rock. Jesus wants to help you build your life on rock. So that it stands, so that you have something substantive, not just for this world, but the world to come. He wants you to invest in this eternal, lasting kingdom, and you do it, I do it, by hearing his words and doing his words. Believing his words, standing on his word, and living into the truth. Use it. Use it. You have a solid, fixed, reliable tool to evaluate truth claims that come into your ears this week. Use it. Use it. And then I'm just going to add to that one, number three, use it not halfway, but all the way. Not halfway when it's convenient, when, you know, I like this easy stuff, but the challenging stuff as well. Because again, Jesus is trying to lead you into truth, into life, into a solid life. 
I like this passage. This is New Testament stuff. This is also Old Testament stuff. We have Joshua, and it's in your bulletin. Going back to Joshua, God says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. That's good. We're going to need that. It's going to be stormy this week. I'm just telling you, it's going to hit, right? All right. Uh, Be careful. Here it is. Be careful to obey all the law, God's word, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it. Listen, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Don't get off that narrow path that leads to life, right? Don't get off that thing. That you may be successful wherever you go. God wants you to be successful, to prosper, to thrive. Keep this book of the law. Keep God's word always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's what God wants for you. He loves you. He's a good, loving father. He wants to lead you into the way of life. So use it not only halfway, but all the way. All right, here's my little halfway example for you. All right, so I'm trying to learn Italian. If you've known me for a while, I've been trying to learn Italian for like 30 years, all right? I'm terrible at languages, and Italian's pretty easy, so I've been told. All right, but let me tell you why it's difficult, why it's a pain, and why you can't use it halfway, but you have to go all the way with it. So if I want to say to you, Stefano likes strawberry cake in English, so easy. Isn't English great? Unless it's your second language, then it's really hard, okay, admittedly. In Italian, you say, a piace Stefano la torta di fragola. All right, do you hear that? A piace, no, is that? A Stefano piace la torta di fragola. Seven words, man. <laughs> and what you're literally saying is, to Stephen, it is pleasing the cake of strawberry. But here's the thing, you can't go halfway with Italian. I can't say, hey, I don't really like that grammar and syntax and structure. If I want to learn Italian, I got to learn how to speak like the Italians. It's hard, right? Adele, it's difficult, right? He's trying to learn English. It's, oh, it's so hard. But if I want to speak Italian, the truth of Italian, I got to go all the way, right? I can't half it. All right, I don't know if that was a great example, but Going back to God's word, use it, use it not halfway, but all the way. Okay, so this is good. We're all, we're all like synced up, right? This is not controversial stuff, right? God's word, solid, fixed, reliable tool to evaluate truth claims when they come into your ears. Right? You have that, God's word. Use it, use it, not halfway, all the way. Okay, now let's get ready for the week to come. And even this afternoon, because you're going to go out from here, and you're going to hear some crazy stuff. You're going to think some crazy stuff. Word training daily. And the picture I have there, uh, it's a little bit, you know, romantic, but, you know, 1400s. Like, if, if, you, if you're a knight or if you're a, a guy who sword fights, right, or gal who sword fights, you're going to need to practice that thing every day, right? Because that's, that's dangerous, right? That's, you, you got to know what you're doing there. You got to train daily. All right? You got to... If you want to know God's word, you got to be in it daily because it's big. It's kind of complicated. All right. Now, sometimes people get, yeah, man, I haven't been in God's word for a while. I'm going to read the whole thing this week. No, you're not. That, that will not happen. 
be humble. Start, start small. You know, this week, five minutes. If you had no minutes last week, five minutes a day. Five minutes. You know, just do a little passage. Get into Mark, do a little passage. Think about it. Examine it closely. Let it speak to you. Let God speak to you through it. Let the truth, who's speaking the truth, tell you the truth. So you can live it and you can come into his life. All right. One thing I do, uh, so get into it just five minutes. Like, just commit five minutes. I'm going to do it every day. Boom, boom, boom. One thing I do is, as I go through this, as I've been doing that kind of daily reading thing for a few years now, you know, pretty good, not always every day, but pretty close, is I, I make note cards. Like, I'm old school here, right? Remember these old note cards? Anybody? All right. So note cards are great because you just whip them out. And I've got a whole stack of them, but these are like verses where God's really spoken like a nice, big, chunky, solid truth statement, right? That I, that I need to hear and that, and that when I'm going through God's word, it really popped. And so I capture it and I try to remember it and I sift through these things every week. I go through one a week. I put it on my, my desk. All right, here, here's a few of them. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's, that's big. That's Luke 14.11. Uh, Matthew, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. All right? Therefore be as shrewd, as wise as a snake, and as innocent as a dove. Yeah. James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of a person does not produce the righteousness of God. So true. Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4.4. I'll say it again. Rejoice, the Lord is near. Like really good, awesome things here. Um, And this week, I was early on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I was in Joshua. So I read a little bit of Joshua, Old Testament, then I do a little bit of New Testament. So I'm in Joshua, and I came across this a little bit further along in Joshua. This is Joshua 1.9. It's a great one to memorize. Jesus says, God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Like, I've commanded you, so remember this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever that ship is gets navigated. God is with you. God is with me. And I needed this truth, man. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. I got this, and I was like, oh, I love this. I'm so glad to come back to this. Later that afternoon, we got this kind of crazy, irrational, you know, uh, aggressive uh, review. It wasn't even a review on Google about OTC and our, our time here. And it really threw me. I was like, it made me mad, made me anxious, it made me frustrated. Uh, we were mischaracterized. I was really, and I was in this storm. I was in this little mini hurricane, right? And I was a little bit, like, tweaked. And not long after, God reminded me of this. Wayne, have I not commanded you? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I got you. I'm with you. Just be courageous, right? Keep on, keep on carrying on. And so that kind of helped me get my bearings, right? Helped me calibrate, again, to something solid. 
and then help me walk. Okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to some people at OTC, some of the leaders, share with them what's going on, get their input, ask them to pray. By Friday, it all got cleared up, the review got dropped, DDD. It's cool, right? It works. Be in God's word daily. Do your word training daily. All right, number two, this is from Sharon. I asked some people, give me some words that God's been speaking to you lately. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Don't just be a listener. Do what it says. Like, do what it says. So this is the next one. Not just know God's word, but trust it. Trust it. Put your trust in it. Put your confidence in it. Trust it. Believe it. You got to make a choice. Man, I'm going to believe half of it. I'm going to believe the nice, the comfortable stuff. No, trust it. Believe it. Stand on it, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. No matter the cost. And I'm going to go a little extra challenge here. Not just know the truth and stand on it yourself, but I want to encourage you this week, especially if this is hard for you, to speak the truth. To say what is true when you hear falsehood when you hear deception, when you hear what doesn't line up with what is real and what is true. And, what, and that's going to be hard in certain contexts because some people don't like the truth. Some of you will be telling you something, and you're like, that's just straight false. And it's hard, but are you going to decide? I want to encourage you to speak the truth, to not just let the deception, the falsehood, just sit there. But to, here's the truth. Do it in grace, but do it do it. Let's lean out with the truth. And again, truth can be challenging. It can be costly sometimes. Sometimes people aren't going to like what you say, but it's loving. It's light. It sets people free. We need the truth in order to live life well. So don't just be a truth collector. Be a truth speaker. Let's do it this week. Let's, let's encourage each other. And again, sometimes it's difficult. Do it with grace, seasoned with salt, but let's get the truth out there as well. All right. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to help us this week. Do our word training daily. Be in his word. Remember that we have this tool to sift through truth claims that we hear or that are inside us that we need to like sift through and also become people who speak the truth, who proclaim the truth, who tell the truth, no matter the cost. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, living God, light of the world, for coming to us when we were in darkness, when the stars were covered, when we could not see, when we were lost and separated from you without hope and without God in the world. Thank you, God, for coming to us. Thank you for calling us out of death into life, into your kingdom, into the truth, onto this path that leads to life, Lord God. And we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us, equip us in the truth this week, Lord God. Help us stay in it. Help us walk in it. Help us live by it. And help us speak it, Lord, when those moments come. And... We're going to have to decide whether or not to be strong and courageous and trust you or not. We love you, Lord. Use us this week to shine your light in a world that's 
confused. And um, bring your kingdom, Lord. Amen.